You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, it is our desire that we would see you tonight. Father, that you would, in your word, reveal yourself to us. And indeed, may the preaching of your word be your word for the sake and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for having me and greetings from Trustful and Holy Cross. I'm glad to be here this evening and to uh, bring the word of the Lord to you as we um, look in his um, scriptures this evening. I'm going to be in Romans chapter 9. If you would like to follow along with me, you're welcome to do so. Romans chapter 9 is where we'll be today. Paul picks up here, and I understand that you guys are going through the book of Romans just as we are in Trustful. And last week's text was Romans chapter 8 and God's, uh, basically his sovereignty as we began to look at what it meant to be foreknown and predestined and made into the likeness of Christ. That's what Paul began to talk about And if you were to read the text in Greek, I don't know if you've ever glanced at a Greek Bible, but if you read the text in Greek, the Greek Bible is all one big run on long sentence. There are no punctuation marks in the Greek. And so as you read Romans, you may think, is Paul ever going to take a breath? Is he going to stop at any point here? And I would say that at the end of Romans chapter eight, as he begins Romans chapter nine, is when Paul actually backs up for a moment and he breathes. And he looks at the text, he looks at what he's just written about being foreknown by God, being predestined by God, being made into his image. And then he ends chapter eight by saying nothing can separate you from the love of God. And then he takes a breath and he begins to reflect personally on his own people, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, as they have indeed rejected the Messiah. And he is burdened by this. As we get to Romans 9, he says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I want to look at four things tonight with you all. That is what caused such an anguish in Paul's heart. How intense is this anguish? How real is the anguish? And then finally, the result of the anguish. First and foremost, if you look with me in verse three, it says, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. What caused Paul's anguish in this text was that he knew that his kinsmen, Israel, the nation, the Jewish people who were waiting for a Messiah and Jesus had come and yet they had rejected him. The cornerstone was rejected. It became a stumbling block for the Jewish community, for many in the Jewish community. And so he knows and he sees this because he says, I myself wish that I were cut off and accursed instead of you. I wish that I could take your place in this. He softens the statement by expressing it in a relational way in his anguish. But the reality is very unmistakable from Paul. They're accursed and cut off from Christ. They're lost people. They're on their way to the judgment of God unless some things change in their heart. Why are they accursed and cut off? 
they again have stumbled over Jesus Christ as their Messiah. God, as well in in chapter 8, tells us that not all are, excuse me, later on in chapter 9 would tell us that not all of chosen Israel are Israel. Some are ethnic Israel, but not all are spiritual Israel. And so he is groaning over this. He's in pain over this. Later in chapter 9, he would say that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued the law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. Israel, the chosen nation of God, rejected God. And when they rejected Jesus as the Messiah, the reality of this breaks Paul's heart. I think it begins to ask a beggar question of us this evening. Do our hearts break for those who are lost? Do we look around our community and around our city and see those who are lost and without Christ rejecting the Lord? And are we broken over those people? Are we praying for those people? I read an article recently in the Washington Post. It was actually published in late 2015, but it was recent to me. And the title said, Christianity faces sharp decline as Americans are becoming even less affiliated with religion. The article would go on to state that there are more religiously unaffiliated Americans than Catholic Americans or mainline Protestant Americans. The number of Catholics and Protestants have each shrunk between 3 and 5% since 2007 each year. The reality is our nation, much like the nation of Israel, is rejecting the Lord. They're rejecting the Messiah. Does it break our hearts? Do our hearts break for what breaks God's heart? Secondly, the question we ask is, how intense is Paul's anguish? He tells us that he has great anguish in his heart. If you read chapter, or verse 2 again, he says that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Great sorrow and une- unceasing anguish in my heart is basically Paul saying these things are painful to me. It's painful to me to know that my own people do not love the Lord. They do not see the Messiah as I have seen him. He says, he would go on to say, For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Notice the translation here. It says, I could wish to be accursed. In other words, he can't be. He would take their place if he could. He would be accursed if they would accept the Messiah. But he cannot be. He can't take their place. I liken it to a parent. I never understood my father when I was growing up when I would be sick. Or when I would be feeling some sort of pain, my dad would say, I wish I could take it away. I would take it if I could. And I would be laying in bed in pain and go, why would you ever do that? That's silliness. Why would you want to take this pain? Whether it be a cold or a flu or a broken arm or whatever it might have been. Why would you want to do that? And then I became a parent. And when I became a parent, I understood that statement. Each time one of my children experiences sickness or pain, I too feel that way. I could take, I wish I could take it for you. I wish I could experience this so that you could be healed, so that you could be whole. Paul is saying the same thing of his people. He's saying, I wish, I wish that I could be cursed so that you might accept and know Jesus Christ. But he knew that he could not. The main reason he knows that he cannot is because of the phrase that he just stated in chapter 8. 
when he said that there's nothing that can separate us, absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God if we are part of God's people. If we are foreknown by God and predestined by God, there's nothing that we can do that can separate us from the love of God. Thirdly, this evening, how real is this anguish from Paul? I want to back up to verse 1 as he says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Why would Paul go to such great lengths to tell them that this is the truth that he is about to utter? I'm not lying. My conscience bears witness to it by the Holy Spirit. Those are very strong words from Paul. Very strong words to let them know that what I'm about to tell you is the truth. And the reason Paul would go on to say that is because he knew that in much of his writings in Romans, would many people who were believers or who were in Israel would think that Paul doesn't like them. Paul doesn't like them at all. For instance, in Romans chapter 2, in verse 24, he says, The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now that doesn't sound like a very friendly statement from Paul towards his own people. And so what he's saying here is that he's telling them, I'm about to tell you the truth, the truth in Christ, that the pain that I'm feeling is a real pain. It is a real pain because I hurt for you. We may, too, find ourselves at times in a place where, as followers of Christ, we are alone and isolated. We stand for the truth of God's word, even when it is difficult to stand for that truth. Even when it's difficult to proclaim the truth of God, knowing that we might face persecution, there will be those whom you deeply love, maybe even family members, who you proclaim the truth of God to, and yet they reject God. And they may think because you proclaim the truth to them, that because of that truth, you clearly don't like them. But the opposite is the case. That's what Paul's saying here to his own people. I'm telling you the truth because I do love you. I'm telling you the truth because I do want to actually take your place if I could. So that you might believe in the Savior. And then finally this this evening, the result of Paul's anguish. It actually comes in chapter 10, which was not part of our reading this evening. But chapter 10, verse 1, tells us the fruit of Paul's anguish, and that is, Brothers, my heart's desire in prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. They may know Christ. They may be saved from their lostness. They may know Jesus Christ. Why do I pray for them? So that they may know. John Piper says of this, Don't follow the reasonings of skeptical men here. Don't say there's no reason to pray for sinners if God is sovereign to save. Say instead, because God is sovereign to save, I will pray for sinners with hope. That's Paul's point here, is that he's saying he's under, he understands the pillars in which he's built in chapter 8. But it doesn't say that we're off the hook as believers, as Christians, as a church, to pray for those who are lost in the hope that God's sovereignty may draw them to himself. There's a song that was written recently by Hillsong, which is a a group out of Australia. They've got a worship school there and they write, they've written over about a hundred, maybe even more than that songs, worship songs that maybe some of you are familiar with a few of them. But there's one in particular called Hosanna. And in the bridge of that song, there's these words, which I think help us to internalize what Paul's trying to get to tonight. 
They say this, heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity. That line, break my heart for what breaks yours. I think it's where Paul would have us go tonight. As we resonate with the heart of God. That we would, our hearts would be broken over lost people. Our hearts would be broken over our city and our community and our nation. Who is running further away from God as opposed to running towards God. That we would pray and seek God's face. Praying for revival. Praying that our hearts would be broken for what breaks God's heart. So church, this evening, I invite you as I did all of our folks in Trustful today. To be praying for our communities, to be praying for our cities, to be praying for our nation. Join with me as we anguish over the lost who are apart from God. May we never stop praying for them because we indeed know our God is sovereign. Would you pray with me now? God, indeed, we ask that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. And as Paul experienced this anguish in his own heart for those who were apart from you. May we bend a knee, be drawn to you. So that we may look at others through your eyes. That our hearts would go out to those who are lost in such a way that we long for them to know you. That God, our anguish would be the same of that of Paul's as he would have taken the place of those who were lost if he knew that it would do any good. Father, may we have that same heart. May we pray earnestly for those who are without you. Draw the lost to yourself now. For your sake and for your glory. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.